0: Let's do this. What is virtualization? You are gonna learn today. Innovate like a startup, deliver like an enterprise. I hope you're coffee up, and ready, because it's gonna be a great day.
1: I know you're gonna dig this. Oh, yeah.
0: You are listening to the Virtually Speaking Podcast with Pedro Aero and John Nicholson.
2: Good afternoon and welcome to the Virtually Speaking Podcast, episode number two oh six. My name is Pete Fletcher, aka Pedro Arrow, and joining me as always is my good friend, Mr. John Nicholson. John, how you doing, man?
0: Good. It's uh it's rodeo season here.
2: It sure is, man. How was the rodeo? It's uh we just had barbecue football,
0: you know, a lot of a lot of good things, but also a lot of cold weather. So you see I've got my hat on here. Yeah. Um but I also have my Barcelona scarf because I was looking for anything warm uh for you know when I was gonna stand out there for eight hours and, oh. and the cold, so.
2: Wait, it was it was cold in Texas? I thought it was always hot in Texas.
0: Uh I mean, you know, when I say cold, I mean like, you know, thirty-nine degrees or something <laughs> in the rain.
2: So tell me, what do you do in a what do you do a rodeo? Do you actually just do you do anything with horses or is it just really a, an excuse to drink beer and eat barbecue?
0: So I mean there there are horses. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, you got a petting zoo for the kids and you got mud and busting for the kiddos. Uh you got concerts. Um, you know, all the big names will be there. So, um, <laughs> well, you know, big names for for maybe us, maybe not Pete and his his advanced music career. But uh <laughs> But no, cook-off's about barbecue. It's about getting getting people together, you know, and people from all walks of life. Like, I mean, the the people I was hanging out with, you know, you'd expect, okay, you know, you got your rodeo folk and your people, you know, kind of from an ag background. But, you know, I was, you know, talking about f- cloud services uh, or file services in the cloud with some guys at Amazon at the at the gate and, you know, talking to another guy about a tech incubator. So it brings together people and, and you know, from different areas that you might not expect coming together. Nice. Um, and and that's, you know, kind of an, a good analogy, I feel like, in a way for what the tech industry is doing is that, you know, you may have different tribes or different groups, but at the end of the day, they they often get brought together by customers or customer needs. Or in our case, you know, the need for some people to stand in front of a gate and, you know, make sure everything gets held up.
2: <laughs> so you were the gatekeeper. I like it. Yeah. Well, John. Uh, listen, that was awesome. I'm 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 glad for the update. I love you in your in your hat and your scarf. You're looking super rugged yet bougie at the same time. Um, but
0: this rugged is not yet a f- bougie. That's that's <laughs> going to be my new motto in life. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Uh, But yeah, uh, John, I wanted to talk to you. uh, You know, one of the things that we had internally recently was a discussion with some um, SQL experts about um, clustering Microsoft SQL, but on Linux, you know, and, uh, you know, that's something that came out a few years ago. Uh, And yeah, and That's kind of a curious thing to me. I've always been curious as to, you know, how does that work? Why would somebody do that? And, you know, and so we had a pretty interesting conversation internally with some folks. And I thought, you know, this actually would be good for the Virtually Speaking podcast. Uh, And so we're going to bring these guys on and see if we can pick their brains yet again, Uh, starting with one of our resident SQL experts at VMware, Desi Akamalafe. Desi, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello, guys. Good afternoon. Hey, John.
2: Hey, thanks for for taking some time to to, uh, chat with us again.
1: My pleasure. Awesome.
2: And joining the discussion as well is our good friend, Mr. Charles Lee. Charles, welcome to the podcast.
3: Thank you very much. It's great to be here.
2: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, I wanted to have this discussion with you guys because I definitely have questions and I want to know how this is done and what VMware customers uh, can look forward to and what they should consider. But before we get into the how, let's talk a little bit about the why. Uh, Deji, maybe you can set the level for us. Like what exactly is Microsoft up to when they start pushing SQL server, clustered SQL server on, on Linux? What's that about?
1: Isn't that, uh, isn't that a good question? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> to, Pete and John, you, you guys know what I do at VMware. For, for the audience, I, uh, I work in the work, workloads uh, team, mm-hmm. the business critical applications team, and I focus primarily on Microsoft applications. Microsoft mission-critical application like SQL Server. SQL Server happens to be the number one application virtualized on the vSphere platform. It's been my bread and butter since I've been at VMware. It's always been Windows. (laughs) I'm a Windows guy. When you hear Microsoft, you think Windows. Uh, A few years ago, well, longer than a few now, but sometimes ago, Microsoft pivoted. Started looking more closely at the Linux world started contributing, started uh, innovating, and well, long story short, about three, four years ago or maybe five now, Microsoft said, okay, how much can we disrupt uh, our customer base and administrator's life? Mm, why don't we take Microsoft SQL Server and run it on Linux? Well, again, Microsoft has been evolving and it it is logical that Applications like Microsoft SQL Server will be one of the things they innovate on. Also, remember, Kubernetes, containers, dockers, and all of the things were uh, getting a lot of traction in the market. I don't want to speak for Microsoft, but they saw an opportunity there. And uh, having one of uh, the most popular databases out there, enterprise-level databases out there, um, it makes sense that they will want to also play in that developer world, in the container world, in the Kubernetes world. I would say this is why this happened. 2017, Microsoft released the first uh, edition of Microsoft SQL Server on Linux. And um, that's why we're here. It upended a lot of uh, traditional thinking. It upended a lot of uh, uh, administrator's uh, life. I speak for myself. I've been doing Microsoft SQL Server for decades. I don't touch Linux. Now, there is Microsoft SQL Server on Linux, and the traction has been uh, exponential. A lot of people are looking at it, our customers are looking at it, and they are coming to us and saying, okay, how do we do this thing on this year? That's why we're here.
2: Nice. Well, so I guess the, you know, and we don't have to, we don't have to rip apart the entire architecture, uh, but coming from a Windows background myself, I was a consultant for many years and I was an, I was an exchange administrator. I've done many migrations and uh, uh, I'm very familiar with SQL, very familiar with the, you know, Active Directory. And I know that they are, you know, they're very closely related. Anything related to Exchange or SQL, uh, you know, even clustering depends on Active Directory you know, and, you know, sort of the, the, the brain, if you will, for all, you know, business criti- critical applications for Microsoft. So how do you push this on Linux? Not the long architected version, but how does that actually work for, you know, the, I don't, I just, I guess I'm I'm, I'm missing a part.
1: Um, yeah. Um, and again, a very fair question, but uh, Pete, don't forget, uh, we've always been able to integrate Linux into Active Directory for a long time, uh, but Microsoft went uh, beyond that. Um, they for the ease of uh, administration, installation, configuration, and usage, they actually made Active Directory not essential mm. for running SQL server on Linux. Yes, you have Samba, yes, you have other these plugins where you can authenticate to to Microsoft applications in or uh, authenticate from a Linux uh, machine and application to a d for this this thing we're talking about that is not even in consideration. So you can essentially run Microsoft SQL Server on Linux without even thinking about Active Directory. If you want to get fancy and you want to get uh, plugged in into Active Directory, that's your choice. But for operational purposes, you you don't need it.
2: Interesting. All right. Well, I know that there's some other pieces to this that are important that make it work. Uh, and I want to lean on Charles a little bit for this, uh, because I know, Charles, you had a lot to do with the um, configuration of this um, this application that will essentially deploy uh, SQL Server on Linux for a VMware environment. So, Charles, maybe you can maybe set some of the groundwork for me about what this application is and what are some of the components that actually make Make it work.
3: Right, absolutely. So kind of what we did when you kind of like Deji was alluding to, like Microsoft SQL on Linux, basically what what it's done is it's taken a product that people are very familiar with in an environment windows that people are very familiar with and basically drop them in the middle of a completely new ecosystem, which is Linux. And that brings about certain challenges. A lot of these administrators lack familiarity with Linux, how it operates, the tool set. I mean, most people are even unfamiliar or not entirely comfortable with command line interface. So what we, we've done, and, and this is kind of what I do. So within the team, I wear multiple hats. One of the hats obviously is uh be dealing with business critical applications, but I also do a lot of automation. So what we've always kind of been doing in the background is automating a lot of this stuff for our own consumption, right? If you're, if you're going to do something more than two, three times, why not automate it, right? So then it's easier to do, and then it's easier to disseminate with other people. And this is kind of what we did with this. We've taken it one step further. So what we've done is we've basically taken both Terraform and Ansible, and we've used that to create all the orchestration required to basically deploy the infrastructure. So create the VMs, create the resource pool, create the anti affinity rules, basically deploy the Microsoft SQL VMs according to our best practices and Microsoft best practices. And then we've also written all of the automation using Ansible to basically deploy and configure. So do all of the internal configuration inside of the VM. So installing Microsoft SQL, uh, setting up Pacemaker, setting up uh, the fencing, creating the accounts, all of that goodness, we basically do everything. And we've then taken that and we, we packaged it. We provide this to, to people in two different formats. So the first one is if you're more hands-on, we have a GitHub page where you can go and download the source code for both the Terraform and the Ansible components. And that, that makes it easier if you want to integrate that into your own production framework or whatever it is that you have. It's really the foundation of it. But for people that are maybe less familiar with that or don't have a framework yet, we've also created an OVA, so basically a VM, where we've put everything in it and we disseminate that also. So users that are that just want sort of like the the automatic, fly by wire sort of experience can download an OVA, do some minimal configuration uh, of two files. So basically, what is your vCenter? What is your username? What is your password? What data center do you want this in details like that? And then basically, deploy. And 30 minutes later, uh, if you go into your data center, you'll see you have a, a Microsoft SQL cluster all up and running, fully configured according to best practices. So uh, the clustering is done. We uh, we use uh, Pacemaker. We have uh stone the fencing set up. So a lot of the, the really gritty details uh, are, are all taken care of and ready to consume. Well,
0: you know, you can't just say all the details are taken care of and not expect me to, to drill into that. Uh, what are First off, for for clustering, um, my vague memory of Microsoft SQL clustering, which I've tried to purge from my thoughts, but um, you have always-on availability groups, which is kind of a scale-out style cluster. You make a full second copy, which is the more modern. You know, if there's any corruption or issues, you've got a clean failover copy. Then you've got what I like to call, but some SQL aficionados will get angry at me, I guess. Uh, FCI, (laughs) or previously known as MSCS, that's the the legacy clustering that operates off of shared storage, be that shared iSCSI, SMB, or apparently NFS, as I'm reading the Microsoft documents.
1: So it looks like you guys, which one did you guys choose and kind of why? That's a very good question. And by the way, John, uh, don't come for my job, sorry. Um, (laughs) 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 So, (laughs) yeah, um, traditionally, uh, before... 2017, when there was nothing Linux, uh, Microsoft has clustering, uh, Windows Server fillover clustering, which we used to call MSCS, Microsoft Clustering Service, up to 2008. Uh, starting with uh, SQL 2012, the name changed and the branding changed. You have what they call Always On, the marketing name for clustering SQL Server. And be, be behind that, you have FCI, failover clustering instance, and you have availability group. For us, for any customer running on vSphere, running SQL server on vSphere, we don't care what those names are. Two things are important. One is that the FCI, the failover clustering instance, which John calls legacy. Sorry, uh, that's some fighting words there. Uh, (laughs) So uh, the FCI. He will agree CCR is legacy. CCR (laughs) is legacy. Uh, Um, now you're talking a change to me all right yeah uh, Pete we'll get him <laughs> but anyway so for the Fci the the thing the only thing you need to know uh, about it on a vsphere platform is that all the nodes participating in that cluster share the same disk shared disk for the transaction log 10 dB except for the os volume um, when you want to do that on vSphere, up to a certain version of vSphere, we'll ask you to go use what we call um, a raw device mapping, but we won't get into that for the purpose of this discussion. Then there is the availability group. The availability group uh, gives you a configuration where the nodes don't share anything. Uh, they don't share the storage. They are all independent nodes, all just clustered and riding on Windows server fillover clustering. The common thing is whichever of these you use, you still have WSFC Windows Server failover clustering behind the scene. Okay, um, for, for On this year, again, you can do either. That was before 2017. In 2017, when Microsoft came up with a win, uh, uh, SQL server on Linux, that changed because WSFC, Windows Server failover clustering, is really the orchestrated brain behind the clustering aspect of it. And it wasn't Easily portable to Linux. So Microsoft looked out there and said, okay, what's out there? What, what do people do clustering on Linux? Of course, you have Pacemaker, you have Corosync, and then you have what you call shoot the other node in the head, Stonith, which just simply says if you can't reach the other node in this cluster, just knock it, assume that it's dead. Okay. Uh, for for that piece, you will rely on the platform that you are using to create the to create the fencing. So there is a fencing agent depending on which, on Red Hat, on IBM, on uh, whatever you're using. On vSphere, VMware has the VMware fencing agent. There are two versions of it where we'll get into that. So these these components, this external dependence or components replace the orchestration provided by WSFC in the Windows world. Okay, this is how we are able to achieve clustering and high availability for Microsoft SQL Server on Linux on the in the Linux world. Okay.
0: Okay. So no no shared LUN required. Uh, no you know
1: shared desk or shared SMB share for AG for availability group correct
2: okay. yeah first comment is i i can't believe it's 2022 and we still have something called shoot the note in the head so that's that's one observation
0: but hey uh, you know ding, ding, ding. I'm, I'm, I'm already here to shoot things we need to shoot some servers you know
1: microsoft actually called that out in, in their documentation they're like okay this is what's called today uh, it's not us, so they kind of watch we do, yeah,
0: I mean I'm not saying all the all the you know Linux people who maintain this are cowboys, but yeah. they're probably cowboys <laughs> uh, Charles, I guess a, a question for you is on pacemaker, I vaguely remember that is some type of cluster management solution. Uh, what's the relationship between pacemaker and sync? what is what do those subcomponents do at a, at a vague level?
3: So the way it operates pacemaker is what you use to create the resources to create the groups to to you know basically manage it and corosync it, it is what handles the communication in the back end so are the nodes able to communicate with one another what's going on in the node oh this guy is not responding you need to take certain action so corosync is uh, the one that does it. It. yeah
0: yeah okay so from a stoneth, from a quorum basis um when we say node as a vmware admin i normally think I I think of a host, an actual Vsphere host. Mm. Are we, and and historically, you know, going back to Stoneth, I remember with Bare Metal Red Hat, you would typically talk to an out-of-band like an ILO or an IDRAC or a CIMC and actually like power, physically power off a host. Um, What is it we're communicating with? What is the the customer's endpoints they're communicating with? How are they communicating with and what are they powering off?
3: Absolutely. That's an excellent question, John. And, and exactly, right? So we tend to reuse the same terms very often, node, node, node. But what exactly are we talking about? So in the context of, of Microsoft SQL, when we talk about a node or pacemaker, we're talking about the actual VM running on vSphere. So when we say, okay, stone is going to shoot the node in the head, what it's talking about is it's talking about killing the VM. And that's really... What we do, what we're doing as part of our automation is setting up basically the automation pacemaker to say, well, hey, this here is vSphere. This is the guy managing uh, those nodes, the VMs, and this is what you're going to operate on. So if you need to like kill a node or you need to get the status, this is the guy where you get the information from or where you do your operations. So when we kill a node, we're not killing the ESX host. That would be catastrophic. What we're doing is we're killing the VM.
0: Are we talking to the virtual machine directly? Or are we yelling at the host to shut that down? Is that vCenter? What's the...
3: It's communicating with vCenter. Okay. So so, so when we're setting up the fencing, the fencing is between um, the fence agent and vCenter. So Okay. Um, okay.
1: Let's... Uh, so, well, you, John you have the esxi host in the vSphere cluster and then you have a number of VMs in which you've installed SQL server and you cluster them together as SQL server cluster So we have two different distinct cluster here yeah. and the clustering the, the pacemaker the kernel sync leverage the API uh, the VMware fencing agent API to talk to to the VMs inside Vcenter we want to do this uh, we want to shut you down we want to halt you whatever the 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 api is exposed and that's what uh we communicate that's what pacemaker Corosync and these microsoft clustering thing communicates through to talk to the to the vms get their status get their health and then take whatever action it deems necessary as based on your configuration okay
0: So is this an active passive configuration by default? Is one of these only acknowledging writes initially, and then you do a failover?
1: Okay, so yeah, uh, that's another valid question. Um, You you will hear things like uh, active active configuration uh, when people talk about SQL Server or even Exchange Server. There really isn't any such thing. Uh, It's one node is always the primary or active. Uh, transaction is happening only on one. Uh, depending on the configuration you choose, uh, if you have what you call, so, okay, let me back up a little bit. You have a cluster of SQL Server. Let's say you have three nodes, three VMs, okay, uh, for a particular database, okay, one of those VMs will be the one that has the active copy of that database. Now, it's possible that you have multiple databases and a subset of those databases are active on one and active on the other and active on the other, right? It sounds like virtual
0: so, machines running inside of hosts, but at a whole nother level of abstraction. Like this is, yes. you know, you, you yes. basically have, the, the the databases are effectual, like virtual machines getting vMotioned or HA uh, around. Uh,
1: uh, uh, just, exactly. Availability so, uh, uh, all the way down. Yes. For, for the uh appliance uh the the automation uh, that we just we're talking about here choosing the AG option the availability group option that was a conscious decision uh because AG is what actually gives you the most protection uh because it doesn't share anything yep. with FCI you have a single point of failure which is the shared disk if that shared disk is not available None of the nodes can do anything. So this is why Microsoft invented or, or ported what used to be DAG from Exchange into SQL, and now we have availability group where nothing is shared. So this is why in our in our uh, implementation and what we are releasing to the public, we've chosen to do the uh, availability group option to maximize availability. So when anything happens to a VM or a database inside a VM that's clustered. That database fails over to another node in that cluster. Okay, it's just like your HA, uh, VMware HA. Uh, host is now available. We par on the VM on the on another host. It's the same thing with this database uh, and, and this configuration. I hope that is a little bit clearer. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I,
0: I think we've we've probably gone deeper into clustering than I originally intended but you know uh hopefully we all learned a little bit about SQL along the way so from a use case basis i think back to some of the greatest availability challenges i ever had as an architect would be i'm going to build this highly resilient you know vdi that's in plus four cluster and then it's like oh the composer service needs a sql server and no one wants to deploy a sql cluster <laughs> um, yeah. i think i had similar challenges with vra before they migrated databases it's it looks like this makes clustering easy where before typically i would just say ugh you know, I'm going to accept two nines and move on with life, then try to configure a SQL cluster. Is this kind of a drop-in for those types of use cases?
1: Uh, yes, definitely. One of the things I tell customers and which uh, my account people really don't like me saying is that on, on the Vitech platform, when you're from from application resiliency perspective, uh, especially in the Microsoft world, uh, um, I used to talk Windows and now Linux for, for what we're talking about. We don't actually have a replacement for Microsoft or the application native clustering capabilities. We have HA, we have DRS, but they don't do application level uh, availability. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. most, most enterprise customers who virtualize a SQL server don't run their mission critical applica- uh, SQL server without clustering. Sure. Ever. So, this solution. Gives them the comfort level that yeah we can we can do this uh, in Linux and we can still have uh, HA and all the goodies and yeah. uh, the availability that we we want we desire. Very nice. Well,
0: I, I, I like that there's no RDMs because that was ninety percent of my like grimacing and hatred of
1: Linux. Uh, John, sure. John, there is no there's, there's RDM. no RDM anywhere. There's no <laughs> RDM. Any forget RDM. Even in Windows world now we don't do RDM. So seven zero yeah. you have oh, uh, yeah, plus great, RDM sure. custom Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So, so what about from a VMware perspective, Like, f- does this get deployed on, on any data store, um, vSAN, NFS, all that? And second part of the question, can we deploy this more than on-premises? Is this something that's available you know, for cloud services, Amazon, Azure, any of those?
1: Very, very good question. Let me A little bit of a background on why we're even doing this at all. We've talked about clustering, we've talked about fencing, we've talked about uh, pacemaker and blah, blah. And then we've talked about Linux and all that. This came about because yes, customers are looking at it, and yes, Microsoft is putting a lot of a lot of innovation into SQL Server, uh, Microsoft SQL Server on Linux. For for example, it's the only one they are putting effort into supporting container. Okay, so you are not going to get containers in uh, SQL Server on Windows. So it is important that customers begin to look at it, and once, since. Once our customers started looking at it, they started looking out for documentation for instructions. How do we do this? Most of the documentation out there are incomplete and mostly outdated. We talked about stonies and fencing. Most of the documentation out there just skipped that entirely because, (laughs) yeah. So when I came to Charles and Mark, our colleague Mark Chu, I like, okay, I've I've been doing this now for trying to get this operational and like, see what i can release out there for over a year um i don't want to repeat or regurgitate this documentation what if i just what if you just create something that makes this make this easier in in a repeatable fashion for customers to be able to just plug it in do it and 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 go what charles and mark came up with it cuts across all vSphere platforms. platform it's vSphere. And whether it's uh, on-premises or whether it's in the cloud, as long as it's right on vSphere uh, solution, this package works across the board. Uh, I will let uh, Charles uh, talk more about that.
3: Yeah. No, I mean, that, that's exactly spot on. We're, we're, pretty, we're pretty agnostic in terms of, of the infrastructure. If it's a vSphere API, we'll talk to it. If it's storage or, or a port group, that's all we really care about, how that's actually actualized under the hood. Honestly, we, we don't really care. So we've been successful in deploying this, of course, on on vSAN. V's we've done this on, on local storage. We've tried with NFS. You know, the caveat there is you have to have a sufficient level of performance. So, you know, um, we had attempted the, the on a very poorly performing NFS with predictable results. But in, in theory, anything, you know, as long as it's storage, compute, and networking, and it's a vSphere endpoint that should be enough to be able to deploy this, right? And uh, and yeah, vSphere,
2: and, and, how far back are, are we talking for support? Uh, not support, but in general, how far have you tested?
3: How far have we dared to test? <laughs> um, I can give you a very specific number: okay. uh, vSphere 67 u uh, three or six seven u uh, u three four two. Zero zero zero, and the reason why is that specific build uh, had some enhancements in terms of supporting supporting the Ubuntu uh, Linux. Ah. Prior to that, customization would not always work as expected. Hmm. Uh, so we are using an Ubuntu uh, VM for the Microsoft SQL nodes. So we we discovered very quickly that if we went too far back, like six seven U two, it wouldn't customize properly, and then we would run into problems. So that's kind of uh, where we, we put the line in the sand, and we've documented that also. So on, on the um, GitHub repository or in, in the notes, it kind of points, well, this is kind of your, your viable starting point, which is reasonable. Yeah, sure. Wait, it,
0: you, you did regression testing on a GitHub project? What, what is
3: <laughs> well, you know, Deji is really, I mean, Deji is fantastic at, at like, Pushing things to the limit, right? So we did this and we tested this on on vSphere seven seven O going up to um, up to seven U three. But Deji was testing this on six U one and he's running into problems testing on NFS. So so we were able to test this on a good cross section of what's out there, you know, for our customers.
2: Because everybody puts uh, SQL on uh, NFS, right?
1: Of course, uh, uh, officially no, but yes, um, John, <laughs> we we. Yes, we did do regression tests on GitHub because our, our goal is when we put this out there and our customers go and grab it and trust our word and try to use it, we want them to have the confidence that it will work and it will work uh, to their satisfaction. So yes, we, we did break a lot of uh, a lot of glass to get this out there.
2: Nice. Well, yeah. So um, I don't want to take too much time. Uh, it seems like a pretty pretty straightforward solution. And I'm going to leave links on the show notes page to the GitHub. Um, uh, I know Deji, you wrote a really lengthy blog on this um, that was really helpful. Um, but you know, what if somebody wants to get started on this? Aside from the GitHub, is that the only place to go to get this? Or, or how do people get their hands on this?
3: So, so the really the blog article that deji wrote is a really good description of what it is what it does the why and and you know all of that sort of information and he links to the github page that we have on that GitHub page, that's where you have both flavors. So source code, I want to kind of do this myself, and I, I like to follow instructions. <laughs> or we also have a download link to the OVA with instructions on how to use that as well. So for now, everything is hosted on the GitHub page. And as we're kind of, I mean, because this for us is really kind of a grassroots project. We started from, hey, let's try this and let's try it, you know, and as we're evolving, we're, we're polishing it off and making it better. So for now, the starting point is really, our GitHub page.
2: Okay. Okay.
3: I guess my
0: last question is, um, where do you see driving a lot of the adoption? When I see Linux and the tooling that you're talking about, I I just think to continuous integration, continuous test, um, you know, kind of the DevOps type stuff. Is that where you're seeing the Linux on SQL? Is it people who are just too cheap to buy a Windows license? Um, Where where are you seeing the, the customer interest in this adoption? Is this people who are just Linux or die or what, Who's consuming this? Uh, good question, John.
1: Uh, since we will work for the same, we all work for the same company. You you know this as much as I do. Uh, we do what our customers want. We 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 give them what makes them successful. We meet them where they are. And uh, for the past five six years, Microsoft has been pushing. Uh, the limits in what they do in the Linux world, um, in, in the enterprises, our customers are becoming aware. I mentioned earlier that Microsoft flat out last year just said, oh, "Container in Windows on uh, SQL on Windows, not doing. It. They just yanked it. They discontinued it. Containers on Microsoft on Linux on, on Microsoft SQL. You want that? You have to go get Microsoft SQL Server on Linux." yeah and that is what our customers have been saying and we want them being the number one platform where you have virtualized sql server microsoft sql server out there today we want them to be comfortable to be successful in doing whatever it is that they deem necessary to make their business successful this is why we are doing this whatever they use it for however they use it we just want to meet them there and make sure that they are able to do it. That is the whole essence of this uh, package.
2: I like it. Well said. Like it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, there's a need for it. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of shops out there that are linux shops and uh you know i think you know the the big questions uh that most folks would have had and, I'm, and i've seen i've seen this uh, discussed in other blogs as well as yours is you know if in fact i choose linux are there limitations to doing this to doing sql server on linux and um i know there's versions and there's uh, anything that you deploy needs a little bit of uh, due diligence and studying but it seems like overall with the help of these other software components uh stoneth and 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 what have you it seems as though we We've got this uh, clustering piece uh, and failover piece, uh, high availability piece that complements the Linux environments uh, to make SQL actually happen on Linux. So uh, it seems like a viable solution. And I love the fact uh, that VMware customers now, instead of having to figure this out themselves, can just go and actually get a really good starting point. You know, of course, put it out there, run it, deploy it, uh, and then maybe start to validate it and test it so you can get it into production. So uh, I, I think this is a fantastic, uh, really good starting point for, for customers interested in SQL on Linux. So gentlemen, thank you so much for joining this uh, this episode of Virtually Speaking. Any closing thoughts before we before we land this plane?
1: Yeah, uh, th- John, Pete, thank you for, for doing this. Uh, last words from me, it, My um, Charles mentioned the fact that all you need to do if you get the OVA is just plug into, uh, information into two files and you're done. All, all we need to know is what you want us to do, how many nodes you want, what the IP addresses are, and all that. As to limitations, we really don't have any. Every one of our best practices, a document for microsoft applications mirror whatever Microsoft support and because we want to put the customer in compliance with uh, the application vendors we have for the SQL, for the ag there is no limitation on the number we just we default it to three and you can we can go whatever to whatever is supported by Microsoft officially for SQL and Linux and our recommendation or our deploy what I'm Trying to get out there as a message is please go take a look at this you do not need to plot through humongous pages of uh, documentation anymore this is very concise this gives you a very repeatable easy reusable deployment platform where you can stand up microsoft sql on linux cluster in under 30 minutes however many nodes uh, you want and please do give us your uh, feedback we are we are polishing the deployment, the next iteration of this will be will be much more improved than uh, what what's out there today. But this works and it works well. So please give it a try and give us your feedback.
3: Yeah, I mean, if, if ever you wanted to see what this is supposed to look like in, in production or how, how this would even look, which is half the battle, right? If, if it's the first time that you're tackling this and you've never deployed SQL on Linux, uh it's it's very con- it's confusing right what am i looking for what what does good look like and and this gives people a tool so you can deploy it you can look at it you can touch it you can see what are the results of the commands and that gives you confidence okay this is what this should look like in production or in my environment so if you want to use that or if you want to create your own automation at least you have a blueprint of of what the cake looks like if you want to tweak the recipe then you're good to go because at least you know what a cake looks like
2: yeah fair enough yeah I like it. I like it. All right, gentlemen, that music tells me it's time to go. So if you want to get in touch with us, send us an email at podcast at VMware.com. You can subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice by searching Virtually Speaking Podcast. You can catch this in all episodes at vspeakingpodcast.com. A big thanks to Charles and Deji for joining us this week. We're back next week. But until then, bye for now. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining. That was fun. Yep.
0: Third time's the charm.